Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous Georgian goes reporting for duty here on a Monday. It's March 21st. Hope you had a nice weekend. That includes St. Patrick's Day. And for all you men out there, that also includes the March Madness holiday. Because, yup, March Madness is something else. But so is MMA, and we're here to cover it. UFC Fight Night 204 was the big card this weekend. They were out in London, England for the first time in three years or so. So pretty cool to to see that. The Brits always come strong. We're going to talk about that card from top to bottom. We have no interview today, so we'll even spend a little extra time. And, and, and you know, maybe it works out because uh, I'll tell you one thing, man. I got a lot of work ahead of me for the rankings for this week because a lot of fighters are going to at least be considered whether the moves happen or not. I don't know. Plus, we can always start the preview towards the following week. One championship is coming strong this weekend. And, of course, the UFC right back at it with UFC 205 on Saturday, March 26th. Plus, always, as always, the news nuggets. We'll cover all of that. It's MMA Junkie Radio again on a Monday, March 21st. All right, guys. So this past weekend, we had UFC Fight Night 204 out at the O2 Arena in London, England. They hadn't been back since Masvidal defeated Darren Till from Liverpool. That was March of 2019. So basically, right on the right on the money, three years. If you'll recall, aside from beating Darren Till, he also three-pieced the Minnesota Leon Edwards backstage as he was getting interviewed can't remember who the lady was it may have may have been uh heidi andrel do you remember i don't but that that sounds familiar yeah <laughs> so that that was the event and most of this i think because of coronavirus because the ufc really loves going into europe and the uk and i know there was going to be a woodley burns event so that one got caught in the pandemic and then whatever other reasons who knows you know once the pandemic started and visas, and I bet you it's been pretty difficult for the UFC to get to anywhere other than Texas, Florida, Arizona. We had Ngannou and gone in California, and of course here in Vegas. But what a splash they made, huh? That crowd was into it, dude. I thought it was a, a UEFA Champions League final. I think even if the card sucked, they would have made you believe it was really good because, yeah, uh, yeah they no boo birds out there. They were all having a great time chanting and, you know, all all their fighters won. That was pretty cool. Do you almost feel like the UFC might drown out the audience too much? Like, let us feel that. Let us feel like I need to hop on a plane for the next one because I just can't. I, I don't want to miss it. Possibly. There used to be an option to listen um NFL games like that, I kind of liked just getting away from the announcers here and there. But I, I like when they when they pump the crowd. Was it Bell? I think Bellator used to do it where it almost sounded like the mic was right under the 
the mat or something like you could hear everything yeah away from that yeah i wish they had an option maybe in between rounds or during walkouts where they say hey folks you may want to turn down your speakers we want to give you a live feel and if they can do something on their end where they just i don't know uh turn it up 10 percent 25 percent whatever it takes without blowing out speakers or or making it so distorted that you're like all right enough already that was stupid but mm -hmm. something that 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 uh just you know i'll give you an example remember the movie shawshank redemption yeah i'm sure they balance out the audio throughout the movie but remember when andy dufresne plays the the, the two italian ladies i think what's what red called it and so they're singing and it's at a certain pitch but when the guards and the warden become aware of it and they start tapping on that window telling Dufresne, hey, knock it off, he kind of thinks about it and he goes, nah. And then you see his wrist turning a dial. And even though the volume almost probably stayed the same or maybe for that one moment, whoever the director was, he said, yep, crank it. It really felt like they did it. And then you kind of felt it and you felt that that angered the warden even more. Something like that is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Yeah. Anyway, um, from start to bottom, the crowd was into it, and they were fiending for some MMA, and, and the UFC brought a lot of their stars, a lot of the ones that are UK-based or European-based, and we're going to go over that right now. So starting with the first fight of the night, uh, Mohamed Mokayev defeated Cody Durden. It was a submission guillotine really quick into round one. I don't think any, a minute had even gone by. His hand gets raised. Elise Reed defeated Corey McKenna. Split decision there. Those were women's strawweights. Uh, Jack Shore defeated Timur Valuev. Good, good fight there. And Shore now remains undefeated. He's from Wales, which is one of the countries that's part of the UK. Um, Paul Craig defeated Nikita Krylov. Submission, triangle choke. And he's a sneaky little bastard because Krylov was on top and Krylov was, I thought the way he was moving around on top, you know, little making some wise decisions, looked like he was very, very well prepared for Paul Craig. But alas, Paul Craig got him. Sergei Pavlovich defeated Shamil Abdurakov. Sorry, I really practiced some of these. Abduric, Abduric him off, something, something like that. Jeez, that sounded terrible at the end. Um, he defeated that guy. TKO stoppage there in round one, and Mac One Americani defeated Mike Grundy. All right, goes any of those you want to expand on? Yeah, I, I thought Paul Craig was just so much fun, man. It's so much fun to watch him, and even his post-fight speeches and all that. Um, not to harp on it, but the crowd, you notice, they were pretty much all there from the beginning, from the get-go. Mm -hmm. You know, it was loud from fight one. I thought that was really cool. Um, heart goes out to Grundy. That one was a tough one from, but uh, you know those things happen. Yeah, for sure. I do want to say that Jack Shore, the pride of Wales. <laughs> um, keep an eye on that guy, man. He seems like a complete fighter. And in round three, see this. I don't like decisions because I like some sort of a finality in terms of a, like a clear cut. I'm better than you. I made you tap or I removed you from consciousness, or whatever. 
And but when they do go to a decision in round three, I tend to watch a because sometimes it can be one one and that's the pivotal round. But two, I do want to see how strong are you? You know, how strong are you at the end of the fight? So you can tip me off that future fights that go five rounds. There ain't going to be much of a drop off in four and five. And that's what Jack Short showed me that because value is no joke, man. I think he came in like at 17 to 18 and two. But um, I, I think they got something uh, with with I think the UFC's got something with Jack Shore, man. Like a, now we're talking contender, not just like a a promising guy or anything like that. A record who hasn't been tested. Um, well, those may those those questions will still come, but more on that with Aspinall and Volkov. But but still, I think I think Homeboy can do. He can get down. You know, it's funny when you look at the UFC, UFC throughout the years. Um, certain regions go in waves. You know, there was a time where Brazil just ruled everything and then almost completely went away as far as champions and all that. I think this is a little bit of a resurgence for the UK in a sense. Um, And this time around, we're not saying the old, ah, but the wrestling's weak over there. Like these guys are a little bit more complete on, you know, this run around now. So um, it's, it's real fun. It's real interesting. And I think, you know, Dana White said it himself. They're going to, they're probably going to get another card this year. They brought it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you're right. They that that country's not going to be favored to win wrestling gold medals. We're not going to go that far. But wrestling for MMA, that that's been addressed. They have the coaches there, and the athletes have learned it from day one. So there isn't like, oh, I got to fill a glaring hole. I got a glaring weakness that that needs to be addressed. No mas. Um. So Mokayev is a Brit, Shore, Wales, uh, Paul Craig, Scotland, Pavlovich, Russian, Mac, uh, America, uh, Amir Conley, I believe, is from Finland. But um, what I liked goes was that kind of like, I don't want to sound like a, a nerd, but the crowd came together in what's a difficult time for each other. You know, like, I, I really thought, geez, are these Russian athletes going to have to suffer because of what's happening in the war and not feel welcomed anywhere from Abu? They're big boys and girls. They can take that to having something thrown at them or or even worse, you know, attacked. And that didn't happen. And then another thing I noticed was Brits, who can be rivals like in rugby and soccer and, you know, other sports, they also supported each other. It was that, that part kind of like um united that part of the world in mixed martial arts it was really dope yeah i mean aspinall he's from manchester right their biggest rivals liverpool you know but those fans uh i mean they even call him the manchester man i think and so yeah i think they put all that aside for sure Ilya toporia defeated jai herbert molly mccann defeated luana carolina i'm actually showing no justice there because I'll tell you what, Ilya Topora blasted Jai Herbert and Molly McCann fucked up Luana Carolina. <laughs> and Gunnar Nelson then just took the starch out of the event. And it sucks because uh, later on that night, I'm friends with Adi Attar on Facebook. And I see him post, you know, like, deuces, London. We had a great time. And one of his guys is is Gunnar Nelson. But it's our, I think it's our job to call it like it is. And I thought Nelson just was... Oh man, just pulling the the life out of the event after those two beautiful KOs. 
to start the main card, you know, and already the prelims were money, but the main card was taking it to another level. And here's the thing. I can't really see a bad thing about Gunnar Nelson because he won 30-26 across the board. It's just I thought he could prove he was the better fighter by actually going for the submission in a different way. When he gets that body triangle lock, it's pretty dominant in terms of, like, you ain't going nowhere. I get that. But there was a couple times in that round when he took his back that if he just got the two hooks in and flattened out the body, I thought he could have either um, TKO'd him via ground and pound or forced him to cover up and maybe then slipped under the choke. But instead, it was that control, which he had already showed us in round one and two. All right, Gunner, you proved your point. You got him. You like it. He knew that too. The other guy didn't want to get taken down, but I thought he, I thought he blew it there because um, there was some opportunities out there where you could have just sunk in some hooks, gone after that, and that would have been, you know, that 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 would have been it. And so I was, I was a little vocal on social media. I, I wasn't too over the top. I don't try and bury anyone, but I was like, oh my god, I'm I'm yawning over here. Possibly, you know, I think in round one or two, he he went for a couple submissions. Um, more than he did towards the end. Towards the end, it was just hammer fist, hammer fist, hammer fist. Like, not a whole lot was happening. But you're right. It did kind of kill the momentum of the card. I got to remember. Right oh, yeah. But remember, when the matchmakers and the president, along with Hunter Campbell, I don't know what his official title is. I know he's an attorney, but he's he's one of the, the big wigs there. You know, they have their Tuesday matchmaker meeting. What they're talking about is... Who became these money fighters? Like, who do we have to start shifting towards the top? You know, what they're going to do with Gunnar Nelson, go, wow, that was dominant, but why don't we put him on the main card on July's pay-per-view, or why don't we give him a fight night co-main event or whatever? And then they clap their hands together and go, hey, <laughs> where do we put Pimlet? We got to give him his own fight night. We're going to Liverpool, you know, or or we're putting him on in the co-main event. Like, you see what I'm saying? There's this big difference, I think, in their enthusiasm because of what, you show them the prior Saturday. Right. No, I mean, definitely. But, um, yeah, Gunnar Nelson's just one of those personalities where I, I think he probably doesn't care too much about it. I don't know. I, I don't really know exactly where he's at in his career. Um, yeah, he had been off for like two and a half years. Again, dominant as fuck. I mean, <laughs> you know, like I can't, I can't complain on that part. But in terms of like, folks, trust me, this has nothing to do with don't sit at home and go, GG, GG had him finishing him in round three, prop bet, or GG had him two under two and a half. No, it wasn't that. It was just me observing what, you know, through the lenses of someone who always wants the best for both fighters. Even the one that loses, I don't want him to go to the hospital. I don't want to hear that. So every once in a while, when it gets too bad, you let me say, come on, stop the fight. But for the most part, I want everyone to go out there and, and win as much money or make as much money as possible, make as big of a splash as possible because guess what there's also mondays where we come in here and go hey you think so-and-so is going to keep their job do you think so-and-so is going to get re-signed by the ufc do you see think so-and-so may have fought their last you know like and then it's oh well, yeah and then we start talking about the tbi and that's the more depressing way to cover the sport we got to do it but i like this part you know where we're talking about like where do we slot these fighters on uh on future cards yeah for sure so Gunnar Nelson uh, does does the job over Takashi Sado, and then Patty Pimblett brings it right back, just like you said, goes. He defeated Kazula Vargas via submission, round one. Pretty easy work. I think he ate a nice right hand. He gave Vargas his props. Um, but, like, 
the O2 just lost itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that place went nuts. But again, like, I really don't know what the hell we have with Patty Pimblet. He he shows promise. Um, he looks like he's a, a, a good fighter. He did eat a good right hand that I would argue if that was somebody else, that might put him away. You know what I mean? I think he's a little too willing to take these shots sometimes. But as long as he goes with the flow that the UFC's setting up, I think that uh, I think he's gonna be fine, but he definitely has. You know, when we ask fighters, "Hey, you got something for the champ now?" and they go, "Hell yeah!" and someone will go, eh, "You know, I, I'm I'm realistic. I know I need some more time." Patty Pimblet needs more time. We need to figure him out a little bit more. Right? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, I, I suppose from his end, he's holding up his end of the bargain. One thing we're not saying is. Boy, Patty Pimlet didn't bring it. He did not stir up the crowd. No, he did that. As mm-hmm. far as his MMA skills, I saw some comparisons to McGregor, you know, and yeah, he's stirring up the crowd. We're talking. There's He should be in the conversation, but that's one of those where you want to look at McGregor's record, Pimlet's record, and then just see, you know, is this an insult to the GOAT of MMA in terms of popularity, entertainment, and money-making abilities you know i mean of course connor's got his belts and all that i'm not saying he's the goat of performance but in terms of that that is a big shoe to fill that's some company you know those are some elbows to throw around we 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 only said kobe after a few seasons could could we even say kobe and michael jordan in the same sentence you know what i mean and that's what i'm wondering if we should we need to tap the brakes on patty pimblet i'm i'm still digesting that it's way too early uh, to be doing that, even like you know, you use Kobe Bryant. Look at the way Kobe Bryant was in his first year. You know, it took a while oh, yeah. for, him, for him to become Kobe Bryant. Um, the one that I, I actually think he's more like Sean O'Malley. You know, in the situation, oh, Patty Pimlet. Yeah, like in the situation that he's in, where you know they're Why bringing him. Huh? Why that guy? Sean O'Malley. Yeah. Because of the hype. Oh, Sean O'Malley. I'm thinking of Sean Bradley, the seven foot six center from you from Brigham Young. I think he went to oh, Utah. No. I was like, why that fool? Like, all right, go ahead, Sean O'Malley. Yeah, I was thinking any guy insulting. Uh just because he's got a guy, he's a guy that a lot of the fans gravitated to early on. Yeah. Uh, but we just don't know yet, you know, skill-wise where he's at. We get it. He's a good fighter. We just don't know he's great. If Sean O'Malley ever listened to this, he'd go like, excuse the fuck out of me. Like, <laughs> no, I, folks. So when we were talking basketball, I think my mind was just the switch was on for hoops. And Go said, Sean O'Malley. I really thought he said Sean Bradley. And Sean Bradley was a guy that I think he went to the university to bring him young. He was seven foot six. And so he was a center. He, he didn't have much of an NBA career that I remember. He had feet problems. So he was like, Yao Ming and that George Marison guy where they were like, you know, like seven feet, I think is good enough in the NBA as far as center goes. 6'11", 7'1", okay. 6'10", 7'2", okay. But yeah, there's been some giants that have walked through our sport and it's like, it doesn't seem to be like the, the greatest thing ever. But anyway, that, that's who I thought he meant, Sean Bradley. So I was like, man, turn off your mic where we're going to put you in a two minute timeout for even saying that Kobe and Jordan do not, they, they, they're in a, their levels above that guy. Yeah. By the way, we saw one of them giants yesterday at Chipotle. 
that guy was huge, wasn't he? It sure was, man. That that guy, I think he was pushing seven feet. And he was training because he was in the back. We noticed him in the back, and we were coming back from California. But then all of a sudden, they took him to the tables and said, okay, well, we, what we need you to do is this and that. And he was doing his gig. But, yeah, he was a big cat. I mean, that looked like an offensive lineman, but maybe even more than that. He looked like at least all of 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, I told Goes at one point, I go, he might be seven feet. Mm-hmm. By the way, I was very close this morning. I might still do it. I've taken my Chipotle gloves and laying them down on, in the center of the ring. You got torn up again? I got fucked up, dude. That's why I had to tell you, hey, give me like another five minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. This one jacked me up. Well, this one, I even watched you tell them light on the hot sauce, right? Right. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why all of a sudden the hot sauce, they're just getting fucking nuts with that. It's a mad scientist back there. And in the morning, we just had a breakfast sandwich. Huh. I don't know. Yeah. You're fine? Well, I'm okay. Hmm. All right. Yeah. But I don't want to jinx it either. I don't want to all of a sudden halfway through the show go, oh, 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 cover for me. I'm out of here for five. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, uh, digressing here, Patty Pimlet. We'll we'll circle back to Patty Pimlet in just a bit. There's a lot to cover with Patty Pimlet, but his performance was a first round stoppage over Kazula Vargas. So, you know, Kazula Vargas is not one of the top guys in his division. He's he's not one of the top 55ers in the world. You also don't want to go. He's a tomato. He's not that. You know, like these guys deserve to be there, but the reality is, Patty Pimlet is. He's captivating. You know, the walkout was pretty electrifying. You know, the, he had his his music. Um, and then as the music was winding down and he was in that prep point, then all of a sudden he had, oh, Patty the baddie. By the way, is baddie that really? I've never heard that term baddie. It's not really a term, I don't think. I think it's just something that just kind of rhymes, you know. Is it a force? A what? A force. Oh, like uh like I know if somebody goes, that dude, he's bad. That tells me that is a motherfucker I want to stay away from. That dude's bad. But yeah. baddie seems like um like a term of endearment, you know, like like cutie, you know, he's a cutie or or she's a cutie or Yeah, he needs yeah. to rethink it probably. Well, uh, I don't know. It might be too late, but see in the UK that might just be their thing, but I I watch UK movies, UK shows. I watch a lot of English Premier League and social media, and I've just never really heard one of my mates, like a Simon Head or, or Abby Subhan or anybody, tell me, oh, that guy's a baddie. Or Roy Keane, back in the day, that guy was a baddie. Wayne Rooney, shh, he'll take out your legs. That guy's a baddie. Like, I, I never heard that term. I've heard, that dude's a gangster. That dude's, you know, a would badass. You with, would you go with Braddy Patty? just a brat i'd go with that over baddie yeah i mean patty's already soft but the fact that he's a fighter you can't really say shit to him you know that's that's short I mean, that that one i understand because i i know a lot of patties i've heard in, in the history of me living in pop culture or whatever it's patrick's that are just patties so i've kind of heard that forever um the the hair patty pimlet everything's cool patty the baddie you know i guess it works but um, I, I, I don't know. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, you got one guy that he's being compared to who's notorious. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that already sounds to starts to sound a little scary. What's he notorious for? You know, like will he beat you up in an alley if you don't pay on Mondays or you know whatever? But this guy's he's just a little baddie. He's a baddie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't sound too tough, but whatever. Whatever. Congrats, Patty the Batty. We're talking about you, so you're you're doing something right. And Arnold Allen followed up next over Dan Hooker. Um, first round stoppage there. Oh man, I I I feel terrible because Dan Hooker is now gonna be forced to deal with is he, you know, is he shot? Is he past his prime? Is he still a contender? Should the UFC like the Bellator jokes or anything else like that start to come up. Um, and that's the unfortunate thing about our sport is it's a cruel sport in that regard, especially with social media. But this is a guy that's lost four of his last five, including the fight versus Dustin Poirier that kind of, you know, started all this. Then he got matched up against um, Michael Chandler and got KO'd there in round one in Abu Dhabi. Comes back and beat Nazrat. Hackbarast, okay, solid, solid. Then Islam Makashev just ran through him. And now Arnold Allen, this is a step down from Poirier and Chandler and Makashev. This is back in the Nazrat Hackbarast territory. And really, Arnold Allen might go, bitch, because Arnold Allen, I think, had a really, really good record coming in. He might be saying, don't compare me to Nazrat Hackbarast because I've been handling my business. I think he's like on a eight-fight win streak. He's been like 6-0 and in the UFC. So, you know, he might take offense to that. But what I'm saying is he's not ranked like the other guys. He hasn't been a title contender for the other guys. And I thought Dan Hooker, now dropping the featherweight, might try and get back in that win column. Or might, of course he tried, might get back in that win column. And it did not go his way. Well, I definitely don't hope the Bellator jokes start because this is a dude that saved the UFC multiple times. You know, if you're ever going to give a long leash to anyone, I think uh, he deserves it. He's probably wrapped up a lot of paychecks. But uh, that gamble just has not really worked out. You know, he hasn't had full camps for a lot of these fights. The travel has just been horrific for him. I yeah. think he, he, he needs some, huh? No, go ahead. I think he needs some time to just relax his body, be with his family, and just not think about fighting for a moment, you know, and get away. And, you know, hopefully that gym, I know they go pretty hard. I know that they like to be in the gym all the time. Hopefully they give him some space because uh, what's going on upstairs, like the last fight just felt physical. It just looked like he, he lost to the better fighter. This one, I don't feel like he would lose every single time if they fought 10 times. But mentally, he just didn't didn't look there. Yeah, and if you'll recall, goes before going four out of five in terms of losing, he had a seven and one run where he beat Ross Pearson, Mark Diacasi, Jim Miller, Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns wound up going from lightweight to heavyweight at that point. He finished Gilbert Burns for crying out loud. Then he loses to Edson Barbosa. All right, no shame there. Then he beats James Vick, Ally Quinta, and Paul Felder. Like that's a nice, that's a nice, respectable run before he got to Dustin Poirier and lost. And losing to Poirier, you can't really hold it against him. You go, oh, wow, you know, he ran into a really, really tough fighter there. But, mm-hmm. yeah, like, this sport has a short memory. And right now, all we can talk about is he's lost four or five. What's next for Dan Hooker? I don't know. I think I agree with Goes. Take a little bit of time off and um, make sure you calculate your next move 
um be smart about it like don't be don't get emotional hopefully you've stacked some paper decide whether it's lightweight or featherweight you want to you know come back to because that seven one run was as a lightweight he's lost four or five four of those five were at lightweight this last fight was at featherweight so you know he took some good punches from arnold allen but then the um he also got lit up by Arnold Allen too. But I, I a lot of it was just Arnold Allen was tenacious as fuck. Arnold Allen's a good fighter. You know, I yeah. think he's getting better. Uh, so yeah, we're not trying to say that uh what's going on here, he lost to a scrub or anything like that. No, Arnold Allen's a great fighter. It just um that just didn't look like uh the Dan Hooker we're used to seeing. Arnold Allen, to be fair, has won nine fights in a row in the UFC. Hooker's a step up from Sodiq Youssef. And then before that, Nick Lance, Gilbert Melendez. Those are guys that I think were closer to retiring than being in their prime. So this is really one of the first big names of him being able to catch someone. Hooker's 32 years old. So he's catching someone that is super relevant and in their prime. And this win's going to go a long way for him and goes, he got the finish. And mm-hmm. not that Gunnar Nelson didn't get the interview. Remember, one other thing that's costly about when you when you um, go to a decision is there's a chance Bisbing is not going to go in that cage and ask you what's next. You know, he did to Arnold Allen, and uh, you know Ar- Arnold Allen had a chance to you know throw something out there. So yeah. that's tremendous. Um, the main event had Alexander Volkov against Tom Aspinall. First of all, great that Volkov was able to get into the country, was able to compete, was able to get a, you know, hopefully a couple of paychecks or at least, you know, his show, whatever. And, um, but he had nothing for Tom Aspinall. I mean, Aspinall lit him up on the feet. He's got super fast hands and then submitted him pretty damn easily. Yeah, Aspinall ate a couple of them, Stiff jabs, you know, maybe a two landed here and there, but for the most part, Aspinall was not bothered much on Saturday night. I thought what was strange was like, there's some pretty damn good fighters that haven't been able to do that to Volkov before. And Aspinall just, he did take a couple, he kept taking a kick to the ribs over and over. But um, for the most part, yeah, if you do something like that to Volkov, man, just beating them is, is kind of a big deal. But really taking it to him like that sends a message to to everyone else. And that, that's the good thing is like when you're still improving like that, that makes things very, very interesting. So the question is, what what does that mean for the rest of the division? You know, is that just kind of like, is everybody looking down going, that's interesting? Or are people going, hey, look out. You know, this guy's coming for us. That's what we got to decide. Right. And so, you know, he said, hey, first of all, someone buy me a beer. And then he slowly collected, connected the dots, excuse me, and he called out Ty Tuivasa. I loved it because it was a relevant call out. He didn't go over the top. You know, he didn't give me a pro wrestling promo, and that's fine. And look, I'm not saying you have to mimic a pro wrestler. What I mean is one of those clever and witty and lines that you set up, and sometimes you rhyme, and sometimes you don't, and sometimes you flow. We didn't get that. But he matched up a name to someone who's very relevant, which is Ty Tuivasa. Um, he talked about the beers. A couple people handed him beers on the way out. And by the way, I got two questions for you. Oh, and let me reverse for a second. I mentioned Arnold Island. I had a chance to call someone out, and I didn't say who. It was Calvin Cater. 
which is tremendous because Cater's a stud. And so now if Cater responds, then maybe we have ourselves a fight. Maybe we don't. I don't know. But that's the beauty of allowing Rogan, Bisping, or Felder, or whoever it is, to come in there and, and pick your brain. You know, you you have a big stage. So um, as far as Aspinall, he called out tight to Ivasa. And before we get to that, what did you think of him getting handed beers by the audience? That's not a cold, fresh beer. That mm. beer's probably been in someone's hand for because they didn't miss your fight. So let's just say they got it right before the Aspinall, right, right after Arnold Allen beat Hooker. They ran to get the beer, then they came back. They held the beer during the walkouts, during the intros, during the fight, during the post fight, and then at the end. So I think a good 30 20 minutes, 30 minutes, that's that's not a cold beer, but he did ask for a beer. And then he took a couple of drinks like this, and then he tossed them in the audience. But what cracked me up was, um, like, I'd rather buy the beer, buy the guy a beer in the hotel. And if it's part of the shtick, all right, fine. But I'm thinking, he just drenched a couple people when he tossed those beers. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's made no sense. He barely took a couple drinks out of them and then just and then tossed, he just them. tossed them. And like that whole thing, like, I was like, well, this guy lost his beer, but you didn't even finish it. And then there's a good chance you actually <laughs> trenched somebody pretty bad. Now, you're at the fight. It's it's towards the end. Swamp ass, sweaty balls, bad breath. Like, you know, but by, by the end, I'm sure a lot of those Brits had that. And so it's probably no big deal because you just want to get on that tube, get home, shower, and go to bed. Or who knows if they even skip the shower part. But either way, like, that's still a... Uh, you know what? What if you're a posh dude? You know that had a nice outfit, and you're with your lady, and you both got fucked up. But what's worse goes getting one of those complete beers just thrown at you, and and it lands on you, or when they take a drink and then they triple H, and you're part of the triple H. I don't want to be part of the triple H. <laughs> Neither do I. That aggresses me out. Yeah, that's stupid. Neither do I. So I suppose that's better. You're more wet and more sticky. And probably more disgusted in that regard. Triple H, you see it, and then you kind of go, oh, you know, and some of it hits your forehead, your hands, as you cover up your face. But that's been in someone's mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, much. I'd rather just get doused with that. I mean, it happens almost at every sporting event. At some point, you do feel some kind of sprinkle or something from somebody jumping up or something stupid like that. But, yeah, getting Triple H would be brutal. Think about when you're at dinner with someone and you just you're talking and you're like ha, ha, this that and this that this that and then also something flies out of your mouth and it's that uncomfortable moment when you go oh I'm so sorry and then you kind of brush their shoulder because you may have gotten their shirt or whatever and then they know what happened and they're looking at you like motherfucker you know but they're also like yeah I can get over it it was just a, a tiny little particle that came out of your mouth it didn't land anywhere on me it just kind of maybe fell on my shirt okay mm-hmm. we're over but think about just that little moment. And now picture a whole Triple H or a whole beer for, for a lot of people. It's it's no big deal. And let me tell you something. When I played sports, I mean, especially like basketball and those sweaty jerseys and football and even some jujitsu and other. It's like my mindset is I'm going there to to, you know, I might have a raspberry on my leg from sliding and, you know, or whatever or 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 basketball. And it just wasn't a big deal. Plus, you were younger. It's. It's, I guess, when you go somewhere and you weren't expecting that, it's I, it might just be a frame of mind for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aspinall is now 13-2 and two goes. 
and I was thinking about something. Aspinall's 13 and 2. Jack Shore is 16 and 0. I would rather be undefeated than 13 and 2. However, Shore has yet to answer can he compete with the best? Whereas Aspinall, who is sorry, now 12 and 2, he just beat Alexander Volkov. What's more important? Staying undefeated or saying, oh, well, I may have dropped two earlier in my career, but I just beat Alexander Volkov. What's up? I still think that zero carries a lot because you can always change that, you know, with your next fight. Puts you right there. There's just something about promotion. When right. a guy's got a zero, it, it's just money, you know? So I would probably – but I get where you're, where you're coming from too. It's yeah. not like the other guy can't make money. Right. But, yeah, I think I'd rather have that zero. Yeah, and I'm not personally declaring one is or one isn't, and I bet you there's good examples of both of them. But I was just thinking about that. Like, I was like, you know, Aspinall, by saying Tuivasa, nobody went, bitch, shut the, come on, Tuivasa? You want us to think you can? No, we believed it because he's got, I think Aspinall's got five wins in the UFC, four in the first round, one in the second round. Um, So he's undefeated in the UFC. He does have the two losses. But he used a good timeline because Tuivasa recently won. And he just took out a high-ranked fighter in Volkov, so he did his job. He's supposed to shoot for the stars. But at the same time, I think Shore might even be more promising. It's just he's being brought along slower. And he wasn't on the he wasn't the main event. He was the third fight of the night. But it's so funny how all it takes is that one fight, you know, and we start connecting dots and it proves to us a lot more. But in this case, again, I think I think you're right. Staying undefeated and getting the chance to prove it down the road um will probably pay off more for jack shore but right now man aspinall's right up there let's not forget jones now was talked about again in a possible scenario where he could fight for the um interim heavyweight title and more than likely that would be against Stephen miocic a few weeks ago it sounded like it could be miocic versus tai tuivasa mm-hmm. you know so if it's Miocic and Jones and Tuivasa versus Aspinall, that might work. You know, I like the matchup when you think about who they are, character-wise, skill-wise, I like it. It's just if I put myself in the UFC shoes, I kind of want both these guys to fight for a title. So it's that old thing back in the day where you didn't want Junior DeSantos and King Velasquez to fight each other. Um until you really had to do it, you know, until you could build it up to a big fight. I kind of feel like that a little bit with these two guys. I would rather maybe keep them apart and see what they can do against everyone else because they're they're getting closer to that title shot than kind of eliminate one right now because they're both very like they're very lovable. So I, I don't know if the UFC does that one. We'll see. I mean. You can't blame him for making the call out. And like I say, things are opening up. I thought Jones was dead in the water. He got removed from the USA Today Sports and MMA Junkie rankings, not only in pound for pound, but light heavyweight. Because we have our guidelines, I suppose. And at two years, you get removed. But I told the fellas, I'm like, listen, this pandemic is something that's never been, it's never happened before. And it's really stifled a lot of plans where the fighter's healthy. He takes a fight, but he just can't get out of the country, be it because of what his country's saying or what our country was saying, or maybe 
their opponent fell out and so yet there was more delays like there was a lot of stuff that happened so he gave what's called kind of like a little bit of a grace period and you know how difficult it is to just remove john jones the greatest of all time in our sport arguably and just not have him there he still walks this planet Mm -hmm. i still know he's one of the greatest or the greatest but yet we got to pretend He's not. Why? Because he's kind of locked in a contract dispute, which might not be his fault. Because as we've seen, other fighters also complain that they can't come to terms with the UFC and the UFC has this way of negotiating or whatever. Or maybe the UFC is right. We don't know. It could be that John Jones is going, give me 50 million. And the UFC is going, come on, man. The most we ever paid was Connor at 25 or 20. or And so now John Jones would be unreasonable. I don't know. I don't know that stuff. But when you get past two years, and a little bit more of a grace period. That's all we can do. But at least, at least Dana White said his name, and now I'm thinking things are starting to maybe go in that direction again. And and we want to wish the best to Francis Ngannou because he's obviously the undisputed champ. He just unified for crying out loud in a fight which we didn't need a unification, but they mm-hmm. did it. He beat his former teammate Sirogan, and he just had the operation where he. Uh, got his ACL and MCL addressed. He said no meniscus tear damage, and I guess he'll be back in nine months. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, man. That, that's a, such a weird situation with John Jones because if you don't if you don't fight, you don't make an income, really. For two years, no matter how much money you have, that's got to sting, you know, considering what he gets paid. So he must have gotten taken care of up until that point. I would think that it's just a little different now what fighters are asking for because of Conor McGregor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are asking for the ability to box and do other things. So who knows like how ridiculous some of these asks are. But I, um, I just think the UFC feels like if we cave for one, we got to cave for all. And right. And this weekend, we were all entertained. We all thought that was a great card. So they're not losing any steam, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like they still have all the chips. I think John Jones should just go public with what he wants. I think when you have the public behind you, it's not a bad thing, especially if you do it respectfully. If you're if you're a punk ass about it, then it don't work. But I remember last year, so let's see here. The Lakers had won the title a couple seasons ago. Last year, the Bucks won it. I think it was last year we had to make a decision to keep a guy named Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder was a point guard. I think he's French, and he was part of the team that helped us win a title. Uh, great defender. His offense, it's okay, you know, but he's not like this awesome shooter from the outside, but he he can take it to the cup. but. He also kind of regressed with the Lakers. But sometimes it's just a matter of being in the right place at the right time. Anyway, at one point, the Lakers said, uh, four years, 80 million. Now, don't quote me to the dollar goes, but it was around that range. And he said, nah, because he thought when he got to free agency, somebody was going to go, oh, yeah? Uh, four years, 140 million, which that's 60 million. You know what I mean? It, it, either way, it's, it's, still a lot of, it's still a lot of money, but he thought he was going to get you know really, really paid. Instead, his pay, or sorry, his play kind of diminished a little bit. I think he went from starter to to a, a bench player, and so he those offers didn't come pouring in. He wound up at Boston, and now he's somewhere else. Who knows what? But it, you at that time when they first offered it to him, 
I think the public was saying, take it, Schroeder. That's fair. It's a lot of money, but that's fair. You've been you helped us get a title and you know, this, that, or whatever. And then it started to sway in another direction when he wasn't as much of a focal point, and now the public was going, Well, Schroeder, to be fair, you're not starting anymore. Your jump shot, you know, you kind of seem to have lost it. And you know, so the public can kind of dictate a little bit of what's right and what's wrong. Not not just the general public, but I'm talking about Laker fans, the ones that deserve that, the the Laker fans that go and pay these salaries. And so I think that could happen in our sport a little bit if it was um, more public and as long as the parties were respectful. At no point, I don't think, was Shooter going, the Lakers are fucking lowballing me, you know, this. and It wasn't like that at all. And, um, you know, I, I... so at least we'd like to know before we go UFC pay him for crying out loud John Jones are you being ridiculous if you're not then UFC pay him for crying out loud you know mm-hmm. and you know like I, 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 I'll still go to I'll go to my deathbed saying that's the way to do it is he fighting this year yeah once once Dana White said his name this week that leads me to believe they're close and they're going to make it happen. Plus, the poor fighters, man, they feel the pressure. Like you said, they don't make money unless they get paid. So I bet you John Jones is like, holy cow, my fiance left me. Um, my my coach left me. Uh, I'm no longer welcomed at this gym. Like, literally, I may just have to eat it in the shorts. And you know what, goes? You know one thing I remember John Jones saying? He said, let's forget about what's in the past is in the past. I got waxed there. You guys got the best of me. But going forward, let's be fair. I remember him saying that. I remember when he phrased it that way, I thought, not bad, not bad. I'm kind of leaning towards Team Jones here, but I need to know the numbers, you know? Without knowing the numbers, I can't really make a a firm decision of, of who I'm going to back, you know, in this in this uh, pace scuffle or whatever. But uh, I th- I think it'll get done. I don't think I think it'll be him versus Miocic. I think they're idiots. Goes if neither one of them partakes in it, because like I've said, the winner will become the interim champ, and when they unify versus the undisputed champ, they will get pay per view points, and that could be a tremendous fight. It could be very very lucrative. So yeah, you may have to take a little bit of a loss now if you trust your skills that you can get into that fight. And I would recommend Taito Ivasa putting pressure by going. Um, yeah, I heard what Aspinall said, but I want Miocic since Jones mm-hmm. can't come to the table, and I'm willing to do it. June, it looks like you guys need a, a main or a co-main or whatever. Get me in there, coach. You know, I'd be pressuring them because he's a hot ticket. He's won five in a row, and he just beat a top five guy in Derek Lewis. Yeah, I would do. I, shit, if I was the UFC, I'd be pressuring him to say that. Um, but hey, by the way, did you see his brother got signed here in Vegas? Who? John Jones' brother. Oh really? Which one? Uh, Chandler. Chandler Jones. Yeah. Oh wow, he's a really good pass rusher. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, Arthur, Arthur Jones is retired, right? I think so. Okay, yeah. So, I also was drifting off for a second there, thinking, what about Miocic? Miocic is one and one against Ngannou. Yeah, he has not shown any sign whatsoever that he Why? has any interest in coming back and fighting or anything. He might get the slip by Tui Vasa versus Jones. Maybe. Then he'd have to fight Aspinall, I guess. I don't know. By the way, it goes, I can't say enough about Aspinall's, Aspinall's hand speed. He's pretty amazing. Yeah, he closes the distance fast. Holy cow. Yeah, because Volkov had a, a, a reach advantage over him. 
And I mean, before Volkov could even react with any form of a counter strike or anything or head movement, he was getting some, he was getting lit up, you know, by uh, Aspinall's hands. Mm -hmm. So you got yourselves some really good Brit fighters on the come up. And that includes Arnold Allen, Tom Aspinall, Paddy Pimlet. Gunnar Nelson is from Iceland. So big win for Europe. He got a lot of support from uh the uk crowd molly mccann she's from england as well her and patty pimlet are both from liverpool if you heard them say we want to play at anfield that's the uh the grounds or the stadium where liverpool football club play liverpool's got two teams one's called everton and the other one's called liverpool and so uh that's where darren till's from as well and they he, they want to do a stadium show at Anfield. Now, here's why here's why I don't know if that's too likely. In the UK, man, it seems like it just rains a lot. And uh I think they they might run into almost the same problem as Hawaii where it just rains so frequently and it's so unpredictable. Hell, Hawaii might even be an everyday occurrence, but it also blows by and it's almost an everyday occurrence that the blue skies also come out, but um, Liverpool is a sporting city, and I I think they would rock the place if they did do it. And I don't think, to be fair, I don't even think it's one of those stadiums that packs a hundred grand or anything. I think it's a a cozy fifty or something. So you never know; they might be able to pull it off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way Dana White was acting, he definitely wants to go back. But yeah, stadium shows are a lot to do, and I don't know if uh, they'd be willing to do it there. Molly McCann's spinning back elbow KO. What'd you think of that? I thought it was pretty amazing um, that she pulled it off, but I thought the setup was great. You know, the way yes. she was setting it up. I thought that was what was so interesting about that. And um, holy crap. I mean, talk about a performance that you'll just, she could lose all the rest of her fights, but she'll always remember that that night. You know, it was pretty incredible performance by her. It sure was. I won't say the tide was turning, but I think Luana Carolina was definitely fighting better in round three than rounds one and two. In rounds one and two, Molly McCann just kept putting it on her with her hands. And so she clearly won those rounds, um, whether it was on the on the ground or on the feet, but mostly on the feet. The crowd was just, you know, really, really supporting her. But Luana Carolina's the taller fighter, and she's a Muay Thai-based fighter, so she kept trying to kind of get a plum meaning get her hands behind molly mccann's head so she could deliver some knee strikes to the body or to the um to the head and maybe get some elbows in but she doesn't she doesn't seem to have fast twitch and so everything's kind of like just moving slow moving slow and i i if i'm if i'm if i'm honest i think she's more of a volume fighter so it's going to take a lot of elbows that proper knee and then maybe a couple straight punches. She's not like like Aspinall, for example, or even Molly McCann. To be fair, Molly McCann lit her up pretty good. She was just throwing left, right, left, right, left, right, like hooks. Like she turned into Vangelis Silva at times and exploded. But when we got to round three, yes, she, as Luana Carolina was doing it, she kind of had this little move where she was kind of trying to get out of that plum, and then just spun around and boom, threw an elbow. Luana Carolina fell like a ton of bricks just like a jenga like a big jenga just splattered mm-hmm. on the octagon the crowd went nuts it had that vacuum where it was like 
And it just got real quiet, and then everyone roared. It was really, really a thing of beauty if you're anyone but Luana Carolina or her family or her corner, where you're like, oh, God, what happened? But And she was sprawled out, goes. Even when they went, I think, I'm not sure if it was to a commercial or a replays or whatever. Every time they showed certain angles, I don't know if you noticed, but Luana's legs were just still there. They were still tending to her, and I was like, holy cow. But luckily, it was in the jaw, and here's why I say that. That's where you're going to get the proper, pretty much removed from consciousness KO, and not like that certain part of the cranium where you always wonder geez did she take a, a, a possible death blow or something that's really really bad up in the temple area or something like that and so um I, we wish the best for her we're not clowning her at all she's just unfortunately going to be part of that um what do you call it the the uh you know the that intro. the who the intro song yeah yeah baby o'reilly right uh, I don't see how Molly McCann will ever not not be on that. The, the, folks, this is a fight of the year candidate. And on a side note, this may be one of the greatest KOs I've ever seen in women's MMA. I mean, right up there with Holly Holm head-kicking um, Ronda Rousey and then those hammer fists. Now, that was on a bigger stage for a title, but I'm talking about the violence of, of the actual KO and, and it was such a beautiful technique. And you could just tell that as she was in it, she had kind of practiced it. Like I believed when mm-hmm. her and Patty Pimlet were telling Karen Bryan and the boys, I rehearsed this. I practiced this. She threw it. But the funny thing was, goes when she hit it, she kind of had this look like, oh, like, oh, shit, that worked. And then, of course, Luann is falling down and she goes nuts. She jumps over the cage and good for her, man. Good for someone who's got the balls to give themselves the nickname Molly and to just be like, you know, she's way more tomboy than than uh you know a, a proper english woman or whatever and she rocks it man she rocks it to no end you think uh snooki roots for her she's a meatball right she's a meatball yeah dude that's actually <laughs> i wonder if she ever filed like on a new york card if she would have a meatball walker out the UFC should do more of that like, I'd like to see Charlize Theron. No, I'd like to see Halle Berry. Like, I don't want to force it either, but I'd like to see Halle Berry walk out with uh, Valentina, just like Duran walked out with uh, Masvidal. There, there should just be these times where these athletes kind of, like, maybe an Aspinall has a big fight one day, Tyson Fury walking out with them. That's cool. You don't have to be part of the corner. Just walk out. When they're in the prep point, they get that hug, and then they kind of drift off to a seat. They don't need to be one of the three or four cornermen or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. I, I just think that brings something to it. And by the way, goes they had a lot of stars there, none bigger than Wayne Rooney. Did you see that? Wow, that's cool. That yeah. was super cool to see that. Like, no disrespect to Brad Pickett, um, Darren Till, you know, a lot of the fighters that were there, especially the Brit fighters. But I remember just going, whoa, like Wayne Rooney's there. That was awesome. Um, Anthony Josh was there. And don't get me wrong, the former heavyweight champ, that's pretty tremendous. Don't get me wrong. But I'm telling you, folks, soccer soccer heroes are like the the thing out there. You know what I mean? And that's a that's a Brit, British soccer hero. Right. Yeah. No, I don't think it gets bigger than that. Yeah. Um, all right. So there were nine bonuses goes. Nine actual $50,000 checks were written out. I'm feeling that, right? I mean, it's kind of sad. I, I hate to be one of those that go, well, why didn't you do it for that one where we were arguing over the fifth? Yeah, I don't like to go back in time. I mean, it's it's okay to say it, I guess. But maybe Dana was just buzzing. Maybe he had some good, um, 
you know, some good beers and he was feeling it. These fighters were coming out and hugging him. The crowd was going night nuts, a soccer chance. He might, he might've just been in the mood, but that's literally $450,000. And he usually only does $200,000. But what did you think of that? Um, I think it's great. I, I love when they do that. They can't do it every card, but uh, when he's feeling it, he's feeling it. And he'll, he'll, he'll come to bat. These were the performance of the night awards because no fight got bonused. So the nine performance of the nights were to Tom Aspinall, Arnold Allen, Patty Pimblett, Molly McCann, Ilya Toporia, Makwan Amerikani, Sergei Pavlovich, Paul Craig, and Mohamed Mokayev. So I'm pretty sure we just covered all the finishers. Notice I didn't say Gunnar Nelson. <laughs> or how many fights were there? There was 12 fights. And the other ones were Jack Shore. Yeah, I didn't mention his name. Or Elise Reed. So yeah, pretty much all of... Dude, that would send a message, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. If they just went forward saying, all right, you know what? We're going to start paying more fighters. Tell you what, you get a finish, you get a bonus. How's that? Oh, Holy cow. Well, that would change the finish? Yeah, that would change the wow. landscape. I was going to say, because if you tell Chandler and Gagey no bonus because you didn't finish, that ain't going to fly. Well, the, you know, you're right, but that could be a fight of the night, too. Because remember, right. when there's a finish, especially in the first round, it's tough to go, woo, that was one hell of a fight. Usually one guy got steamrolled or one gal got steamrolled. It's usually the ones that go, you know, three rounds. But then when you're bonusing nine fighters, you have every right to go, fuck you guys. You want us to give you a fight of the night bonus, too, in addition? Why weren't you just one an individual performance bonus of the night? You know, like the money was there if you went out there and finished. Um, so I, I, I'm i telling you, yeah, that, that would really, really be a game changer. Now, this one obviously was different because it, it had a sold-out crowd, so they had more of a, a budget to – to pull from if you will they sold out the o2 arena what i don't know is the actual numbers what does that mean Twenty thousand, whatever i just don't have that information in front of me but they sold out the o2 arena i'm just going to imagine goes um it was probably like a four million dollar gate or a four million pound gate i don't know i mean i just it, you know it sounded like the tickets sold out quickly and so there was a demand and I would imagine these arenas are all in that 20,000 range, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right, so that was it. That was that was UFC London and uh just a huge event. MMA needed this. UK MMA needed this. I won't say the UFC ne- needed this because they're awesome. You know, they they just they have we've had a, a amazing run here these last few years even during the pandemic they caught a break by being the only sport that was out there some new fans some new eyeballs um but it's nice to go and kind of reclaim an area so that was a uh, you know that, that was pretty awesome for them this week we have ufc fight night 205 they're in columbus ohio so they're traveling columbus ohio has delivered in the past not always but i remember them just having some epic cards including the one with randy couture defeating Tim Sylvia, but this week is Curtis Blades and Chris Dacus is the main event. Your co-main, I'm not sure, I don't have the list of who's fighting, but keep an eye on Asker Askarov and Kaikar France. Matt Brown is a local favorite. Um, he's on the fight card as well. Marion Funot, 
against Jennifer Maya. I got to imagine that's pretty pivotal as well. So uh, those seem to be some of the big names on the fight card. Keep an eye on that. And then a couple weeks, we have UFC 273 with the two title fights of Alexander Volkanovsky against the Korean Zombie and Aljamain Sterling defending defending against Peter Young. So a lot of a lot of great fights coming up. A lot of good stuff. Just a quick couple really really fast notes. Uh McGregor wants Usman. Oh, stop it. You know, until I know that you're even training. Right? Are you on are you on that train too? Just stop it. Stop it. Yeah. yeah. You got your hands full trying to convince us you should be next for Oliveira. Stop it with Usman. And then Nate Diaz said something that was pretty pretty polarizing. He said, "Hey man, I want to fight with my boy Maderos, what's up, Bellator? <laughs> he's he's just flexing in this way, kind of like I don't need the UFC, I don't need Connor, like just get me out of here. Like it's it's a it's a way of punking the promotion. Which, by the way, if this is his way of either getting a new contract or just getting paid for his last fight, I, I, you know it's it's a weird way to go about it. But man, it, it's it's uh, it speaks volumes. Yeah, I'm in a way he gets to just stop it too. Does he? Yeah, that ain't ever gonna happen. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it, man. We're out of here, folks. Listen, I hope you enjoyed the show. We recapped UFC 204, went over some of this news here, and um, it was a it was a really really fun event. We'll see you all on Thursday with another show as we recap or sorry preview the shows coming up this Columbus show, and we'll take a look at that that one taking place in Singapore. I believe it might be a pay per view, but that one has Demetrius Johnson and Rotan. Rotang, the uh, the Muay Thai champion in a hybrid fight. So that should be pretty cool. I think Angela Lee and Stamp Fairtex are going at it too. So more on that on Thursday. We'll see you then. Go out there and be a champion. <laughs>